And here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we got a fun and exciting one, one that I've been waiting for for a while now. We've been trying to set this up for <laughs> probably like two months now. Uh, but I finally have what I consider to be uh, my version of the world's most interesting man, Mr. Gabriel. Somebody I know is Mr. Gabriel. He's a co-worker uh, here at the school that I teach at. And... Um, somebody that we've just had interesting conversations. He said a lot of interesting things around me, so much so that I was like, Mr. Gabriel, would you sit down and do a podcast with me? And he's a hard guy to pin down. He's, he's a busy guy. He's got a lot going on in his life, but he was kind enough to sit down with me today. And we're probably going to do it in parts. Hopefully I get to get another session in with him because I know that the time that we have is probably not going to be enough. Um, but thank you, Mr. Gabriel, for being here. No, bro. My first question for you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be big. It's going to be open. Um, but who is Mr. Gabriel? How do you describe yourself? How would you describe the life you've lived? What's your personality? And I know it's an open question, but I'll leave it to you to guide us in any direction that you'd like. So we'll start there. Okay. Well, I'm originally from Oklahoma, Guthrie, Oklahoma. That's where I was born. Uh, when I turned six years old, my parents took me to Peru. They were um, um, attached to the uh, to the Embassy of Spain there, and so I finished my schooling up to what you call here high school. We called that their secondary school or upper school, and then I. At age 18, I came back to the United States, and I went to university here, University of Central Oklahoma, which is called right now. Uh, that's where I finished most of my schooling. Then I moved to California, where I attended another university to get my, my degree in linguistics, which turned out to be not very, uh, not very feasible to get jobs as a linguist around here. So the other option was to start teaching. So, and I had my share of teaching also in my home country when I was 16 years old. I was teaching in an academy with, which taught English as a second language, as a foreign language, I'm sorry. Yeah. So throughout my life, I've always been family-oriented uh, with my folks, my parents. Uh, when we say family down there, we consider uncles, uh, nephews, everybody is the family. It's not just mother, father, and children. Uh, also considered family, so also our friends. I'm a very conservative person, which sometimes is not well seen for some reason. Uh, I am Roman Catholic, very Praetorian, which means takes after what Peter started. And so I have my views on on what the different societies are either to me, societies that are suffering for others, uh, they call it progress, progressives or whatever they are. So I have my ups and downs when I talk with people. Uh, some of them do not sympathize with my views. Right. Say it again? I said right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's where I'm 
basically my life is based on that so anything that is around me the teaching always has been directed to more of the education part rather than the actual academic thing um, and that's uh, most of most of the classes that I teach always and sometimes well actually most of the time I involve facts of the world or culture history geography even in courses like math so I like to have my kids to learn more than just the uh, mathematical operations or stuff like that uh, I am also going to be turning 70 years old next year and I will be uh, retiring again as a couple of years ago I retired but and I started working as a substitute teacher here at the school but I was offered a job and so I got out of retirement and started uh, teaching for the school but I think I already paid my dues on this so next year I'll be just subbing yeah okay how many years in education 29 29, 29 years and, and walk me through that a little bit tell me what were you teaching what grade level where yeah as I mentioned before when I was 16 years old it was uh, third grade secondary school uh, I was offered a job during the summertime to teach English as a foreign language at the academy over there. The academy is actually under uh, the British Council. It's called uh, the uh, British Cultural Association or whatever that's called. Mm -hmm. So uh, <coughs> I taught part-time, like about 25 hours a week. Uh, and I redid it again, did the same thing during my the um, the fourth and fifth year secondary school. So for three years during the summertime, I was teaching. I was still a student in a high school, as you can consider, but I was teaching already. So my teaching, my teaching experiences or experience began at early stage, at early age. Yeah. 16 years old, right? 16, yeah. yeah. And then once you got here to the States? Well, I wanted to be a linguist. Right. You know, which I am. I mean, I have a degree for us. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I applied different different jobs. Most of them were completely overseas and places where I wouldn't go. Although linguists are usually, you know, ready to go. Uh, I did some experience that I did uh, in the jungles of Peru mm -hmm. uh, with the uh, Gideons. With the uh, I don't know if you know what the Gideons are. Is the Gideons are the ones that provided Bibles, used to provide Bibles in all the hotels. When you open a little drawer and you see a blue thing there, little blue book that was the Gideon's Bible, so with the New Testament. So the Gideon said settled somewhere in the middle of the jungle to teach the tribes over there uh, to turn them into Christianity. But at the same time, with the same token, they started learning English. So I found when I got there, I found that some of them spoke their native language. They spoke English, but they didn't speak Spanish, which is the actual language in Peru. So the natives did not speak Spanish. The natives did not speak Spanish. Okay. <coughs> they they didn't have any any way of learning it because they lived in their community, which is very far away from from the areas where Spanish was spoken. Mm -hmm. 
But since the Gideons, mostly Americans, settled over there as missionaries, so they learned their language, which was English, yeah. under native. So my job for about close to 12 weeks was to teach them some Spanish. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. It was a volunteer work. I did not get paid for it. But that was the only thing that I could do as a linguist <laughs> at the time. So that mainly taught me. Linguistics takes a lot of, of, uh, of information on, on teaching. So, yeah. you know, that's how I became a teacher. Got it. Okay. And then what about here, teaching here in the United States? Teaching here in the United States? Yeah. Uh, well, I started teaching in the United States uh, when I finished uh, college in Oklahoma. I started teaching for a, I can't remember the name of the academy. <coughs> but uh, I, I was teaching English to those uh, people that were trying to uh, get their residence here in the United States. Most of them were people undocumented. But the government back in the days with uh, when President Ronald Reagan was uh, in charge, uh, there a lot of uh, schools or academies, or you can call them, which taught something different, uh, they were assigned to, well, they were assigned, I mean, they took these grants from the government to teach these people. So that's how I started teaching English as a second language in Oklahoma. Uh, I returned to Peru also in 1986 for a couple of years, where I taught high school over there. Uh, and then I came here to California. So here in California, I started teaching for the Los Angeles Unified School. Oh, wait a minute. I started teaching for the Inglewood Unified School District. Then moved to the uh, Los Angeles Unified School District. Then Long Beach Unified School District. Then Hayward Unified School District. Then Manteca Unified School District. Then a charter school uh, three years ago, and I was with them for about five years. And then I've been here for almost three years. So if you add all those years, it's a lot of years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good that's a good walkthrough. <clears throat> um, I guess that's a kind of a good segue into the next question. So you've been to a lot of different places, right? Yeah. Just from that alone, from your work experience, <clears throat> and remind me again where you were born, um, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Right, state of Oklahoma, and I was born in a city, Guthrie, which yeah. used to be the capital of Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma City is the capital. I see. So Guthrie used to be the capital of Oklahoma. Right. I see. Okay. When I was born, that was the capital. Yeah. <coughs> that was where the largest city over there was Tulsa. Yeah. You know, I guess because of the booming of the, uh, of the, uh, you know, the oil fields and all that, mm-hmm. and the cattle. Mm-hmm. So. Got it. So my question to you is, what what have you learned from being in all these different places? So you've lived and worked in a lot of different places, but you've also, like, in our conversations, you've also mentioned that you enjoy traveling as well for leisure. Is that right? Right. Yeah. So what is it about, what can you say about going to a lot of different places? Like, has that influenced you as a person? Has that opened your eyes? 
you mentioned seeing a lot oh, of yeah, different cultures. Bit, so so I, um, tell me about it. Well, different areas that I went, different cities and countries that I have visited, uh, I usually try to learn things. Well, actually, you know, that's that's my life. I like learning. Yeah. And, you know, if it's not reading, maybe it's watching videos or talking to people. Uh, I do not speak a lot of languages fluently, but I do speak some, mm -hmm. uh, which I can communicate with. I can speak Spanish, I can speak Italian, French, a little German. Uh, the other languages I do use some language to be able to communicate, but very short things like asking for directions or greetings, you know, or yeah. when I'm at a restaurant, what to order. Food, yeah. Okay, so, well, and the other one's Italian. But um, um, having said that, uh, I also appreciate the culture, ancient culture of different cultures. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I like music very much. Uh, rock and roll is what I really enjoy, mm -hmm. but I like classical music as well. I like reggae. Uh, I like salsa to a point, um, although people, I believe, or what I've seen, cannot differentiate what salsa is yeah. with... Uh, with the different tropical uh, music that right. is around, right. which not all of it is salsa. And uh, yeah. salsa is a term that was born in New York when the rumba and the another type of music joined together with some rock and roll uh, influence. That was salsa. Now, if anything that comes from Cuba or comes from Puerto Rico or comes from different areas in the central America or the tropical coast, they think that that's salsa and that is not it. Uh, I like jazz quite a bit as well. Uh, my favorite jazz player is Oscar Peterson uh, and some others. Uh, but I do enjoy music. And with that, I, I enjoy also uh, music that comes from ancient origins and I enjoy looking at or watching uh, play these instruments that are kind of sometimes they they look really weird but they make a sound and how they interact with those uh, especially Andean music which is um, music that came from all over the Andes different ones so you have Quechua music you have music from the Quechua's you have some the Aymaras and also from some places like Argentina and Chile in the south part of South America and it sounds so mystical and so 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 impressive with you know the instruments are not the, like the western western type instruments that we know you know they have sort of like guitar which is called a charango which has four chords it, it's not a banjo and it's made out with a which is actually the shell of an armadillo. Mm. And, uh, you know, they have these drums that are made with leather from different animals. They have uh, other types of, of instruments, percussion, that are made with uh, the, dry, uh, the dry skin of fruit. So, and same as in, in China, you find the same thing. Uh, so all these things fascinate me. 
It's really, I, I can sit there, I can listen to this music for hours, and I'm get tired. Never get bored. No, you never get bored. Yeah. Um, also, I do like opera. I like Jose Carreras. I like Pavarotti, Placido Domingo. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate their music as well. In the sense of other things that that I enjoy is history. Anything that's history, I'm there to learn it. Um, yesterday, for example, I was watching a series that I started yesterday, and it was about how regular soldiers got the Congressional Medal of Honor for what they did on the field. That they say that possibly they most of the time they earn it, but possibly, but there are some that are still alive to tell their stories, and that was very very impressive of how the last one I saw is how they defended a garrison, you might call it, in the middle of the mountains in Afghanistan. Uh, 50 soldiers were attacked by 400 terrorists. They put them down and it was almost impossible for them to come alive. But because of the actions and how they methodically followed certain rules of engagement, they actually defeated the other 400. They went running back um, to the mountains. So and that is really. So I started it the day before yesterday. What is it called? Last night. Uh, I can't remember exactly the name of it, but it's it's on it's on. Um, what's the name of that thing? The uh, not Hulu. The other one. Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. So uh, <coughs> yeah. So there's a lot of things that impress me. And, uh, you know, other things related to my life nowadays, I, I am a person who has acceptance for everything, yeah. but I do not condone everything. Mm. So I accept certain things in society right. because it, I cannot be there just, you know, be against something. Yeah. But I, I, have, I should have my choice of just accepting but not condoning. Right. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's okay if you want to do this. Just right. Just don't involve me in it. Right. I respect idea? you for it. Yeah. But don't involve me in do it. do that, but I don't want any business right. with it. So, but nowadays, you know, things are going around that some, somehow they try to force you into these things or they try to put to as a negative thing mm -hmm. of what the new thing is. And that is something that I have to deal with almost every day. Uh, not only with uh, people outside, with family members, with relatives, yeah, yeah. but with everything, right. you know. Right. And I have my reservations uh, about things that are done here in school also. Mm -hmm. I have to accept them. I cannot complain. Yeah. I have to accept them, but yeah. that's who I am. Got it. Very cool. <coughs> so I actually have a lot. Well, first of all, many cool things that you just shared right there um and yeah that sounds like all this the value that a person can get from seeing the world seeing different people exposing yourself to different cultures um i do want to linger on that if you're okay with it though this idea that <clears throat> um you ha you you're willing to accept things but there are certain things that you don't condone and you've kind of you said that you've uh, you how can I say? It's something that you have to kind of navigate every day 
or it's like part of life now. Can you, are you okay with me asking you a question about that? No problem. All right. So basically my question is how do you navigate that? Because I can speak for myself just real briefly. Like I kind of feel similar. It seems like we are in time and place. And maybe you can speak to this too. I've only been alive for about 20, I'm 27. It feels like now more than ever, it's hard to say how you really feel about something without somebody trying to put a label on you, trying to call you something that you're not, just because you have a different perspective, essentially. And so I struggle with that personally um, a lot, quite a bit, and I'm trying to figure out how to navigate that. Like, do I just speak up and say, fuck it? And obviously there's respect, right? But you kind of have to, wherever you stand on something, there's um like you can stand firm on things that you believe even when the crowd the people the world is trying to tell you no be quiet your perspective is wrong this is what you need to think you know what i'm saying yeah so again my question to you is how do you navigate that how do you deal with it do you just mind your business Well, the navigation is um, is like going down a crooked river. Right. So you have to evade here, accept here, hide from here, show up at certain times. Make sure that you know, in the nighttime, you do a different thing than during the daytime, or the daytime different nighttime. And one nighttime is different than the next nighttime. So, as you said, you have na- really navigate, and how do you say that? You have to. Uh, to to uh, adapt in a way to the way of living that you have to build for yourself in order not to, you know, get into things that um, might hurt somebody or you might get hurt yourself. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, we're open to talk here between uh, you and I, mm-hmm. and um, I have um, uh, my my reservations on. Uh, on gay people, I have my reservations on uh, pro-choice and pro-life. I I have my reservations on other things similar to those. You know, and I stand firm when I say I'm very conservative. So you can take it from there where I'm standing without me telling you anymore, right? So. Well, yes and no. So you, you can have like an idea, right? <clears throat> but I think, for me personally, it's always better when somebody like elaborates. Well, exactly. Like, what do you mean by conservative, right? Because conservative to you could be like, on the like a religious conservative, right? Or you could be like a social conservative, or you could be like an economic conservative. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of. Okay. Again, In my case, you don't have to explain if you're not comfortable. Again, I am comfortable explaining whatever, sir. Sure, then by all means. Okay. First of all, let me tell you, I'm a conservative all the way across the line. All the way. Kind all of across way. the table. Yeah. 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 So uh, <laughs> I have uh, my wife's brother, for example, he's gay, mm-hmm. and he married. As long as it's a marriage, I don't mind. I can accept that. Yeah. You know, the change of But please don't tell me. Uh, 
that if it's two guys uh, adopting a child, to me, the sense of family is a man and a woman. Okay. Um, same thing with uh, uh, my daughter. You know, was uh, I was asked her. She said that she doesn't believe in having children. That she has a a dog with whoever she's living now. To say, why don't you get married? Oh no, we just live. I'm, you know, I accept it. I don't condone it. You know, if you're going to be living together, you get married. Yeah. Okay. So going back to the thing about children, it says, what happens if for some reason you get pregnant? Yeah. And he says, well, uh, I'll go for an abortion. I says, oh, no, that, if you do that, you will not be my daughter. I will respect you. And so she got very angry. And then I had to think again. Yeah. And I had to say, okay, well, that's her choice, okay, to be on that path. But if you're going to ask me to vote for abortion, yeah. I'm not. I will never do that. Okay, yeah. I believe in inclusion. Okay, mm -hmm. but inclusion to a certain level, because if the inclusion means that you're going to be included in that inclusion as well, that doesn't fly with me. Mm -hmm. I'll be inclusive in the way that I see things, yeah. but not in the way that I live things. Right. I think it's kind of like uh, again having the option. Right. Right. I mean, I should, you know. You can do it. You can, whatever your business, you can handle it your right. way. But just don't involve me. Is that right? Right. Right. Nowadays, you know, um, where, you, where you were talking also about being economically conservative. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to taxes, for example. Where do my taxes go? Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of my taxes, especially here in California, yeah. that go to promote this uh, entitlements for people who didn't work for that. Yeah. Okay. So nowadays, for my taxes, we pay schools for undocumented people. You pay for health for undocumented people. You pay for food for undocumented people. You pay for even cash outs for undocumented people. I have. I'm going to give you an example. Mm -hmm. I have a lady whose daughter comes and walks my dog when we are on vacation yeah. somewhere with my wife. I got to meet the lady, the mother. And asked her what she do. Well, she said that she does um, actually kind of like the same thing. She babysits. She uh, takes care of elder people. She cleans houses. She's busy all day, yeah. like for about six, seven, eight hours a day. Okay. Well, her kids, her kids are in school. Okay. And the husband, what does he do? He's a mechanic. He, as a mechanic, earns I don't know how much three, four thousand dollars a month. She doing what she's doing, she makes almost about the same that he does, but she doesn't report that. See? So, but the husband working and earning only $4,000 a month, and that family has four children. So because of that, they're entitled to $200 per child, plus $200 per food per child, plus free school, plus free health insurance, I'm totally against that. And you know what? I've been called a lot of things. I've been called a racist. Yeah. I've been called a bigot. Yeah. I've been called insensitive. Yeah. I've been called you're no good. Yeah. I don't care. I stand where I stand. Yeah. Are you I'll, liking it, huh? Uh, well, I'll say this. 
I actually, in a time where it's hard for people to actually say how they really feel, I actually have a, a lot of respect for people that are not afraid to say how they really feel. Now, that doesn't mean I agree with everything that you've just laid out, right? And we can talk about that, you know, in a separate time. We don't have to talk about it right now. Right now? No. Because <laughs> I have other questions. I have other questions. We have limited time. Um, but if we do a part two, we could definitely revisit this because I think it's worth There's a lot to speak on here. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I actually, I, I have a lot of respect. I appreciate you for voicing your thoughts. And I guess one more follow-up before we move on. The last part that you just mentioned, that you've been called a lot of different things. Right? Hello. You've been called a lot of different things. You said you've been called yeah. a racist, a bigot, insensitive, yeah. this and that, yeah. right? But you're willing to stand with where you are. So I guess two questions. The first one is, how do you handle that? Like you personally, right? How do you, when the people are, however they're saying it to you, shouting at you, telling you, Mr. Gabriel, you're a racist for you thinking the way that you do. You're a bigot. How do you handle that, right? So we'll start there, and then I guess I'll just tell you so you have an idea. My second question is, how do you try to, if you try to empathize with the people that you disagree with? So all these other people that are calling you these names, like, what do you think they are coming from? Yeah, yeah so. Well, both questions are actually together. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. The reason, and I'm going to explain that this way. Yeah. Okay. When people call me these things, okay, I am, I am, besides being conservative, I'm a very analytical person, okay? If I were a drug addict or an alcoholic or a gambler or whatever, um, it is impossible for me, it would be impossible for me to, this is a discussion I had with somebody else before, uh, to be attending 12-step sessions and stuff like that because I'm too analytical. Uh, I always asking questions towards things that are set for, but the thing is that there are no answers for them. Of course, there are answers. I can get the answer, mm -hmm. but that person doesn't like that answer, yeah. right? Yeah. And that person would think, oh, you know, you're just making this up, or, you know, well, why, why are you questioning this? This is true. Yeah. Well, why is it true? Because this and that? Okay, explain that part. So that is, and I'm always thinking, okay, when the word for me, ignorance, has a, a, a very mild meaning and has a very strong meaning. Depends on who you're calling an ignorant, okay? Because ignorance is not a bad word. Because I am ignorant of about, about many things that I still need to learn. Yeah. So I'm still ignorant. Mm -hmm. So I put myself in the shoes of that person, whoever, whoever thinks different than I do. Yeah. Okay? I said, and I anal analyze, why is that person thinking this way? Yeah. What made this person, what is the background of this person mm -hmm. that turned this person into what she or he is? Yeah. What are the things that he's told? Most of the time, most of the time, I'm not saying all the time, but most of the time I came to the conclusion that that person did not build his or her appreciation of things by herself. 
And I've been a leader of me all the time. I've led my life to the way I want it, and I don't care what people say about me, with, not even the way I dress. I don't give a hood, okay? Yeah. Uh, my wife calls me all the time, why are you wearing this? I mean, that's not on fashion. I said, I don't care. This is what I wear, all right? And the same way with things. What's your opinion on this? This is my opinion. Well, but that's bad. I mean, do you think this is, you know, and I, I have an answer for it. And so most of the time people say, oh, by the, that's an ancient answer. I mean, they, that, that answer does not comply with things right nowadays. I says, well, they do to me. You like it? Like it. You don't like it? You don't like it. But I'm still opposed to what you're saying. So I'm very frank, direct to the point. And sometimes I ask questions myself too. I say, why do you think that I'm wrong? Explain to me why I'm wrong. Okay. When two, should we get into this? <laughs> the Bible says, and I'm all for it. The Bible says a man should not lay down with a man. And I asked that to my uh, brother-in-law. Yeah. I said, I don't want to talk about it. And I said, why? Well, because new things are no new things. I mean, are you Christian or Christian? If you profess a religion, you profess a religion all the way. You don't pick and choose on that religion. Well, some people do. Well, but that's all right, because they should just refuse the whole thing. But they can do pick and choose from the religion, okay? Make their own religion for the things that they pick well, so you make another one. That's kind but of leave that one alone. Well, that's kind of what some people do, right? This is why they have Christianity, Catholicism, right. Orthodox. Uh, people that go and start praying, you know, and the next day they are at the surgeon, you know, getting an abortion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? Create your own religion. Right. No, but I like this one. Yeah, take the things you like from that and make your own. Leave yeah. that one alone. Yeah. Entire as it is. Yeah, I see. So you're kind of like a purist. If you're gonna follow something, follow right. it all the way. Of course. I got you. I believe so, and that is not only religion. In on my principles that I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All. You know my my different stages of of. Uh, of, uh, of being being a person. Yeah. I respect myself for what I am. Yeah. I always did. As I said here, now we went into this. Uh, kids here on the eighth grade, they are 13 years old, going on to 14. I think they're too young for flyers to be set around with an uh, a rainbow to be colored, which says pride. I don't think so. Yeah. I believe that you can do that when they are 16, we are way into the middle of, the high, of your high school. Yeah. Maybe their minds will be ready to make a decision. Yeah. Because right now, what we're doing, we're not asking them to make a decision. A decision. We're imposing that to them. That was my opinion about that player that went around. I didn't say anything, but if you ask me directly, like, you, like we're talking right now, if Mr. Worley or Ms. Dunham come and say, hey, what are you, what's the matter with you? I will tell the same thing I'm telling you, mm -hmm. because that's the truth. That's how you feel. That's how I feel. Yeah. I, I believe that when you are, when you're younger than 15 years old, you are so susceptible to anything that they guide you into. Sure. What is the latest trend? 
I just want to hop on the so latest trend. So you need to wait until you're 16. In this case, nowadays, I think you should wait until you're 18 to really make a decision and say, okay, why are they giving this to me? Oh, yeah, I'll agree with this, so I'm going to color it. Yeah. Or I'm going to agree with this, so I don't want to color it. Yeah. You should give that option to the student. Man, 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 Mr. Gabriel getting it spicy in here. <clears throat> what can I say about that? So I, I, I hear you, right, on the idea that young people are impressionable. And I think we should be careful about the concepts and the ideas that we are putting in front of them. What I'm thinking is, you know, that has no part in schooling. Maybe schooling should be academic, right? And the the exposure of values based on family, as family, yeah. And what you should do for community in the way of who you're going to respect. Yeah, you respect people who do something for you. Okay, like defund the police. Forget that. You know. Yeah. This type of things. Right. So, okay, why why is your house have this American flag that has also a blue stripe and a red stripe? Why? Because I remember 9-11, how many fire, firefighters, how many of these people died saving others. Yeah. But people don't like that. Okay, if you go and... There's just kids, kids that are 12, 11, 12 year old kids. I see on the news, I see on magazines, that walking out the door, uh, doing other things and burning things under cars with the BLM thing. Just like, that's a group, I respect their position, that's fine. Yeah. But don't burn something that belongs to me. Oh, Mr. Gabriel. Okay, so <clears throat> how can I touch? This is actually the first time I've had to confront this on the podcast, but I'll just leave it at this because we could really go on, and I think just for the sake of time, we're gonna have to revisit this if you're okay with that. Because I would like to explore this with you more in depth. I'm just getting warmed up here. That's what I'm saying. Hey, man, you're the one with that has you got, has to go. Yeah, I'd be happy to sit here for like two hours. I think we could. But I'll say this. Again, kind of like what you said earlier, I just, first of all, respect you for trusting me and being open to share. Um, it's not I trust you. It's just you ask me the question sure. and you get the answer. Sure, sure. You, do, you are I'm aware ready. this will be on the Internet, though, right? Um, what? This will be on the internet. Like a bit of, yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. There's no and there's no video, so it's just audio. But Mr. Gabriel, he's cool with it. He's cool with it. It's uh, what do they say? Water's on a duck's back. Look, coming back to, to that, the only thing I have. Look, I didn't. Um, what do you call that? The Facebook though. The type of media. Social thing. media? Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I have social media, and I only talk with whoever I follow in, is Twitter. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I don't have Facebook. Right. I don't have Messenger. I don't have, uh, what's the other thing? Instagram? Uh, Snapchat. Snapchat. Twitter. Twitter. What's the other it's one? Instagram? 
Instagram. I don't have that. Yeah. So he's chilling. He's off. Like that. Yeah, I hear you. And you're too. And no offense, right? But you're past that. This is for young people, right? Or people that are bored. I think uh, there's a decent amount of people that. With something. Sure, please. Very nicely. Yeah. Just yesterday, we're remembering our trips with my wife, places we visited around the world. Yeah. And I was trying hard to remember the first one when we were in Seville, Sevilla, in Spain, and the breakfast that we had at the hotel that we stayed. This is the first trip you guys took? No, no, it was oh. one of our trips. Okay. This was 2019. Yeah. She couldn't remember. But then after a minute or so, we said, oh yeah, we had this, this, and that. Yeah, that's right, how do you know? Well, because of my pictures. People that take too many pictures, they rely on the pictures to remember. Mm -hmm. I don't take pictures. Everything's in my head. Mm. Everything's in my I remember who I spoke with. I remember it because my mind is free of thinking about, okay, I have it here, so when I need it, I'm going to pull it out. No. I'd rather have it in my, in my brain yeah. until the day I die. Yeah. There you go. No pictures at all, eh? I don't take pictures. If my wife asks me to take a picture, I will. Yeah. But I know that I take pictures of myself saying cheers to my friends. Across the across the world, yeah, but not a places that oh look I'm here and explain here I'm having this with this and that. Get that. Yeah, get out of here. He's not with it. Yeah, young people. <coughs> All right, Mr. Gabriel, we got about five minutes left. All right. Again, if you're willing to, I'd be more than happy to sit down with you again. I know time is tough. I know life is. I don't tough. know when. I know. But I'll let you know. Thank you. We still have se seven minutes. Seven minutes? I think so. Well, okay. No, yeah, it's one fifty right now. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, seven minutes? Yeah, seven minutes and we'll get out of here. It's tough because I got like six more questions. But such is life, eh? We'll leave it at this. You've lived many years, right? No. You've lived many years, just earlier. Not too many. Not too many, but you said that you're about, to you're about to turn 70. What a number, yeah. eh? 69. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a good number. It's a good number and a good position. Yikes. I knew it. I knew it. I set him up for that. I set him up for that. I set him up for that. I choose, I choose a woman. Mr. Gabriel, take it easy, man. Okay. My question to you is, uh, what are some of the biggest life lessons that you've learned? What if what? Biggest life lessons that you've learned. Some of the ones that stick out to you. Okay. Where you're like, ah. So maybe something happened in your life and you learned like, ooh, well, that really sticks with me. It's something that or you know, just situations, whatever. Take it away. Situation that has not happened with me, but I'm always prepared. Sure. I'm gonna ask you the question, I'm gonna tell you my answer. Okay. I'm ask you the question. Yeah. Okay. Is your father alive? He is, yeah. Do you have kids? No. No. Yeah. Let's imagine that you have yeah. a two year old. Yeah. And you, all three of you, your dad, you, and the kid, you go to a picnic or something, you go by the lake. And your dad takes your child to, you know, take a bath on the lake. All of a sudden, they both are drowning. But you only have one rope. Yikes. Who are you gonna pull out, your dad or your child? And why? 
So you want me to answer that question? No, I can answer. Well, okay. I mean, if you want to answer, fine. But okay. I'll tell you what. Okay. okay, okay. I will have to say bye bye to my dad. Yeah. Okay, my child has more yeah. years to live than my yeah. than my dad. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. And some people don't like being asked that question. Yeah. Why are you asking me that? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's terrible. Mm -hmm. It is. It could come one day. That'll happen. But you're prepared for the decision. Sure. And you're prepared with the words you're gonna tell your dad while you see him sinking. And you know what words you're gonna to use to convince him that it's okay for him to go. And this is something you should be prepared from early stage. You don't have to be my age to be prepared for something like that. It could happen to anybody at any moment. Anytime? I don't know. You're inside the car, it starts burning, and who are you going to say first? You have like one second. Who are you going to pull out first? Right. Where's your dad, or is, or is your wife and the child? Who you pick? Those are questions that I already have answers for and what to say to these people because yeah. I have to prepare for life. What is the lesson in that? What is the answer? No, what is the lesson in that? What is the lesson in that? Yeah that you need to know your options yeah. to keep on living. That's the lesson I'm teaching myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to remind me of it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I see things okay, that happen in the news, and there's some, why did it do that? Why wouldn't it happen this way? It would have been better this way. And then I ask, okay, the thing is that this, whatever happens, took these people by surprise. I don't like to be taken by surprise. Is that it? Yeah. So basically, if I may kind of summarize, <clears throat> anticipate life events, unexpected life events in advance. Think about them, meditate on them, so that if they ever come up, you're a little bit more prepared than if you had never spent any time thinking about it, then you're caught by surprise, unprepared. Does that sound right? Yeah, and you suffer more if you're not prepared. Right. But the, I guess, ironic part, like you mentioned, is that most people do not like thinking about it. Yeah. Right? Now, I can say for me, I, I have a similar thing uh, when it comes to my own mortality. Like, I actually think about my own mortality quite a bit. Um, I acknowledge, and, and actually the people around me too. So I haven't thought about your situation exactly, but I've thought about, okay, I recognize that at any moment I can go. Yeah. Right. And I'm 69. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I have to think that a lot. <clears throat> sure. And that's something you can. The way I look at it is, you can either avoid it, or you can meditate on it and think, okay, knowing that, how am I going to choose to live my life? I'm not going to run from this reality because it is a reality. I'm not going to avoid it. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to think about it and say, okay, knowing this, how do I live my life? And then I try to take the same thing with my like people too. Like I don't have kids, but I have younger siblings. And I try to think about that too. Like, man, any one of them could go before me. How am I going to feel about that? How am I going to respond? Am I okay with that? It's just all kinds of questions that come up, right? It's not easy. 
not easy. It's not easy. The, the more the more you think about those questions that you're asking yourself, and you try to get answers for those, the more prepared you're gonna be. Right. At least a little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, death might be the, the extreme, right? But yeah. there are things in life that you cannot control. Control. Yeah. And there are things that you know already that you're not gonna be able to control. Right. So you provide for that ahead of time. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Stoics? Stoicism? No. No? Got it. Um, the who? The Stoics. The Stoics? It's the Stoics, yeah. Ancient Greek? Ancient Rome? No? No. Uh, so we have one minute, but I'll try to summarize. Basically, this is like a, a way of a philosophy on life that came up during... I mean, it's, it's very it related Stoicism. to... Stoicism. You know Stoicism. They pre it's pretty much the serenity prayer. Are you familiar with the serenity prayer? What is it? What is it? Uh, help me. God grant me the grace to accept the things that I cannot control. Cannot. Yeah, cannot control. And the something for. Help me with the things I can control. I can control. And let me understand the difference. There you go. Something along those lines, right? Yeah. So the Stoics basically taught that philosophy. Yeah. It's like. Nature is harsh, it's ruthless, it's cruel, it's not fair. Well, if you want to be good, you can also go into the, the branch of the cynics. Right. No, but the Stoics try to live a life of virtue. They say, here are right. all the it bad things, yeah. here are all the bad things that can happen. Here is what nature is really like. But you can still live a life of virtue. You can still conduct your way in a, in a manner that is productive, positive, and try to get the most out of it. And just just kind of like what you mentioned earlier, acceptance. Yeah. Right? Acceptance that life is wild, it's all over the place, and there are just certain things that you have to accept. That's right. <clears throat> so we'll leave it at that. Um, what a great start, I'll say. And what do we just do? We just did 50 minutes, and we probably answered about two to three questions, which is pretty interesting. Um, Mr. Gabriel, I appreciate your time. Hopefully, I would love to. Like I said, I would love to sit down with you again because I think there's a lot of stuff that we could go even deeper into. Just need time. And no rush. If you're open to it, let's make it happen. If not, I totally understand. Regardless, thank you for your time. Anything else you'd like to say before you get out of here? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Mr. Gabriel, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening.